Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Emily. And I'm Paige. And we are both floorboards in this ballet studio witnessing the carnage in front of us and singing the following song. Even when the sky comes falling, even when the sun don't shine, I got faith in you and I, so put your pretty little hand in mine. And you're listening to Tuesdays Are For Twilight. Well, how's your day? How's it going? It's going well. Um, I I feel like our listeners gotta know what's going on in Paige's life. Guess what I got for heckin' dinner tonight? Hmm. Tacos? No. <laughs> uh, lasagna? No, um, but you're getting... It, it is a classic Paige dish. <sighs> I don't know. Tell me. Cubano. Oh, hell yeah. Okay, I should have (laughs) known. Where do you get such things in the town that you live in? Honestly, there's a lot of great gluten-free options in Fort Collins. I think because it's a younger college town, you know, and also gluten-free is becoming way more accessible and available in a lot of places and just known about. Um, But there is a really great sandwich shop right near my house that has gluten-free bread. Um, Shout out to Fiona's. I am your loyal Cubano customer. I'm not Cubano. I am your loyal customer who purchases Cubano sandwiches. And I just want you to know that you rock my world every day that I get it. Hell yeah. We love to see it. Um, Cool. What else is new? Um, Well, at the... uh, at the funeral home, I was working a funeral, and you know the story, Emily, but the listeners don't. But um, basically, we were, it was a, a classic Catholic funeral, so there's a casket and a mass, and then the family processes in with the casket and then processes out with the casket. It gets loaded into the hearse, and then you drive away. So um, my supervisor was like, You just stand off to the side while we process in, and then we'll sit together once mass starts, which happened. And then during mass, one of my other coworkers was like, hey, like, you know, maybe we should let Paige do the process out. You know, she hasn't done it. And it was a very, very small funeral. So the stakes weren't that high of like me messing up. And it's a really great church. So it it just was a really good setting to, you know, be a part of it for my first time. So my supervisor was like, oh, that's a really great idea. Do you know how to fold a pall? And the pall is a cloth that goes over the casket. Um, it just kind of drapes all over. And apparently there's a very specific way you have to fold it. You do special hand coordination, do it in a very specific way. And we didn't have a cloth, so she just showed me how to do it with her hands. And then I just had to do it first time in front of everyone. So I was a little nervous, rattled about it, because I don't want to mess anything up and have people remember that, you know, during their loved one's funeral. Now, the the processing was fine. We walked to the end of the church, but the folding went really bad. I'm very short. My, the guy who did it with me did it backwards and I was not prepared for him to do it that way. I was going to do it the specific way that she told me how to do it, but he did it backwards. So I got really flustered and I'm too short. So I couldn't like reach my arms over the casket to fold it uh, horizontally. So he had to pull it and it was just like kind of clunky and I felt really embarrassed about that. So I'm already feeling bad. Now, before we go on to the rest of the story, I just want to put it out there. 
when we were setting everything up, no one was there. It was just me and my coworkers. I walked over an air vent that I did not know was on and it blew my dress up. I'm Marilyn Monroe, my coworkers, and everyone laughed at me. It's fine. Like whatever. I didn't know it was on, you know, we all make mistakes. Well, I have both my hands on the casket. We are pushing it through the lobby. I am not leading. I'm following. So everyone is behind me. The whole family, the morning family is behind me and we walk over the motherfucking air vent and both of my arms and hands are on the casket. So I Marilyn Monroe the entire family. And then it was, I like, I put one hand on the casket, one hand down to hold my ass dress down. It was just really embarrassing. You know what? Not your fault. Not your fault. I'm just gonna say this is on the funeral home. <laughs> I'm, 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 the church. The church. The church. Yeah, I was gonna say it's more like the church for putting the vents on the ground in a in a location where people are supposed like uh, dresses are considered like a normal thing that people wear there. You know? Yes, definitely. Thank God I was wearing tights. So like maybe there was something saved and also I don't think I was wearing horrible underwear like uh, I think it was substantial underwear so that was fine I don't know what the visual was all I know was that I experienced the blowing of it and it seemed like it was thorough <laughs> I didn't know about the tights so that does make me feel better for your situation yeah and they're black tights so I feel like it was fine I feel like they didn't even care Let's hope. <laughs> well, I got that new job I was trying to get, so Paige is snapping. So, um, yeah, stay fucking tuned. I got to move again. You all remember when I had to move the last time. It's fine. I'm happy. I'm, I'm actually really excited about this. And I already had to move anyways, so it's exciting. It all lines up and it's perfect. I was going to post about it on the pod's Instagram, like, what Emily did when I got my job at the funeral home. However, the episode had not come out where she was talking about the fact that she got this job. So I was like, the people aren't even going to know what I'm talking about. So just know that I wanted to, but alas, I couldn't. It's a thought that counts. I appreciate it. Not much else is new. It's fucking hot here in Colorado. A lot hotter where Paige is at. It was over 100 degrees today. I, I can't even imagine other states or countries where like it's always hot like heat is just a normal thing like I mean it gets hot in Colorado don't get me wrong but it's not like the only thing that goes on like I'm thinking of like the south where it's just like hot and humid or just different countries where the sun is just beating down on you like the whole day it's just always hot or Australia like it must be miserable this year yeah, I was going to say, like, we're lucky, too, that it's not humid here because that makes it so much hotter. Yeah. We have, like, 11% humidity and everyone gets stressed. I actually don't know. I pulled that number out of my ass, but it's not very high. It's really not. I want to say, like, 9%. Yep. <laughs> All right, should we talk about Twilight? As you down your truly? <laughs> yes, we should. <laughs> okay, so last week we read chapters 26 and 27 of Midnight Sun blood and chores what did you think of these two chapters Paige? I gotta say blood wasn't I mean 
it was what I was expecting, but I was really interested in that it didn't really focus on the actual fight with James. It was, the main focus was treating Bella, which makes sense from Edward's perspective. That's what he's focused on. He is very much a part of that particular part. Like he is a key player there. But I just I did think that there was gonna be more of a, a whooping, you know, Edward, you know, punishing him for hurting his beloved, but you never really get that, which was interesting to me. Um, and then uh chores. That one was so it was super interesting, and I had such a hard time imagining that they were not like it that it wasn't in the present tense that it was just something that was gonna happen because the way that it's written makes it seem like it is happening right now. I think it is written in present tense, not past, not future. It's just, it's written in a very specific way, which like I literally forgot until Edward points it out that it is not what is actively happening. It's just a vision. It is in present tense. You're right. I didn't even notice that. Mm-hmm. So I I loved I loved the elaboracism of it. It was it was just it was a super interesting look into Alice's mind. And I remember you had mentioned I think when we were reading Twilight that there was like pages and pages of Alice having one vision, but like with different outcomes, sort of a thing. And I it has to be this part because this that's literally the entire chapter was that. Yeah, it was this part. This is actually, or chapter 27 is like my favorite part of this whole book. I just think it's fascinating. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I The part that like, the amazing specifics that she, the first time that she walks into the hotel, the manager does something very, very specific that she doesn't like. So she replays it a different way. And like just a little thing is changed and it affects the outcome and then oh but she doesn't like this let me start the whole thing over like it's just it's so crazy yeah like she adds jasper's watch or whatever to her outfit or it's yeah it's so many small things yeah it's cool okay well we'll jump into chapter 26 so the chapter that we read before live had left off with edward launching himself at the door of the ballet studio so he shatters the door and he comes into the tracker. Basically, what we later find out is biting Bella, because he like does that as like as we know like a revenge last thing, because he knows he's toast now. Um, so he just does it to basically piss Edward off, and then all of the contact that Edward has with James is he just like grabs him and throws him or kicks him to Emmett, and then you were partially right. Um, Emmett and Jasper both together um, destroy James. And it's so funny because Emmett gets, I'm jumping ahead of myself, but um, Emmett gets so mad that he couldn't just do it by himself because he could have, but then Jasper got involved and the tracker gave up and like Emmett took that personally. (laughs) It's so stupid. I feel like Emmett just never has the chance to really beat someone up to the fullest of his power. So finally getting that opportunity, but then not getting that opportunity would be a big bummer. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So meanwhile, while all this is going on in, as Paige said, was basically the background. Um, Edward is having a fucking conniption fit because, I mean, understandably, because Bella is dying in front of him. And so he's screaming. 
Carlisle's there and is, we didn't know this at the time, but he's, you know, cause Bella's basically in and out of consciousness, but he's stitching up her head and like taping her broken leg. He's doing all kinds of stuff. I was really wowed in the, um, in the, they kind of talk about it a little bit later and it, it justifies what I was thinking, but the fact that they were all able to just do their mission immediately, even though Bella's blood was literally all over the place, because I mean, Edward is always talking about how juicy she smells and to have that, the literal exposed blood all over the room and on the ground and on the walls for them to be able to be like, we have something that we need to do right now. And we're, we're going to do that thing. And there are, all of them are struggling. It talks about how, especially Alice was not, even though she loves Bella so much, she was not anticipating this particularly um, but it is it is impressive that they are able to do the thing that they set out to do successfully. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. Emmett especially, like here on page 575, um, you know, Edward takes a second to talk about what Paige was just talking about and how, um, you know, Emmett and Jasper are struggling a little bit. But um, he says, Emmett himself was an admirable control. His concern for Bella was deeper than his usual carefree frame of mind allowed for. I don't know. I just thought that was very sweet. Mm-hmm. I Emmett very quickly skyrockets to such a high place for the the readers. I feel like I feel like after Twilight, he must have been the biggest heartthrob for everyone. I don't remember at the time. I feel like everybody was too focused on Edward. But I yeah, I've never had like a negative. I've never disliked his character. You know. Mhm. Mhm. Um, I wanted to point out, too, on page four, seven, or 574, sorry, Edward hears a howl of pure rage, and he's like, wait, what was that? And then he realizes it was him, which is fucking stupid. But um, while he's, like, thinking about, like, who could have made that sound, he's he checks in on Emmett and Jasper, and it says they were already gathering up the broken pieces. I don't know, it just kind of struck me how it was like they have already completely dehumanized this person who was, like, a character. I... I meant to bring this up many, many chapters ago and I forgot and then it just kind of like didn't really matter. But in the chapter where we are introduced to Laurent and James and Victoria, Edward calls him James when he knows that his name is James and he is talking about him. He calls him James until the whole thing goes down and he knows he's a tracker then he becomes the tracker for the rest. He never calls him James again. And I thought it was really interesting that he like no longer views him as like a person, quote unquote. Like he he's just this figure in his life that he needs to deal with, this problem that he needs to deal with. He's not a living or living. I he's not like a, a entity. He is just the tracker and that's it. And now He's not even that. He's just broken pieces. Damn, I had not noticed that at all. That's very astute of you. That's crazy. Yeah, I wonder if maybe that's... I, I mean, I don't want to like look too deep into it, but they all, especially Carlisle, are averse to killing. Well, I don't think Emmett or Jasper or Edward are that um, have their feelings that hurt about killing James. But maybe it's like their subconscious trying to like make them not feel guilty about it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I would never put it past Edward to not consider someone who's wronged him 
or to demote someone who has wronged him to kind of put them in this box of you are this and that's all you are. So I, I can see it from Edward's perspective completely. Yeah, that's fair. Because if you think about somebody like Mike Newton, who actually didn't really even do that many things wrong and just was like existing in the world, he was like, I'm going to throw him across the Grand Canyon or whatever the fuck. <laughs> yeah, Edward, Edward definitely. I wanted to also bring this up a couple chapters ago, but one of my coworkers who he was the coworker who grew up reading and liking Twilight, but had to keep it a secret because he's, he identifies as a male. And at the time, if you said, Oh, I like Twilight, you're just automatically gay. And like, that was how it was. Um, but he always asked about the podcast or whatever. And we always chat about it. And he asked what I was, how I was feeling and liking about it. And I'm like, Oh yeah, it's, it's good. It's just, Edward is just so dramatic. This book is just really hard to like get through because it's from his perspective. And he was like, you would think that like that, like hundreds of years would allow you time to learn how to process emotions or like learn how to treat people with any amount of respect, but apparently not for Edward. And I was like, yep, it's 100% correct. <laughs> I feel like Edward is plenty of thoughts, head still empty. <laughs> yep. Ugh. So, you know, this whole time Bella's screaming, everybody's doing their best to, you know, fight the temptation of her blood. And then they realize, because Bella screams that her hand is burning, that James bit her. And that if Edward does nothing, she will turn into a vampire. And then he could also just turn her himself. And, I mean, she's going to turn either way, right? But he's thinking of, like, um, basically, like, putting more venom in her because it would, like, speed up the process. And, of course, Edward is, like, absolutely, like, horrified at that thought. And he has this discourse um, on page 578. So it's sort of towards the top and then sort of towards the bottom. So I'm going to read a few sentences out just because I'm going to ask you about them, Paige. Could I, have, could I bear to have Bella stare at me with the same regrets for the next thousand years? Yes, the most selfish part of me insisted. Better than that to have her disappear now to slip away from me. But was it better? If she could grasp every ramification and every loss, would she choose this way? Or would she choose this way? Did I even fully understand the cost? Was I aware of everything I traded in exchange for my immortality? Had the tracker just met the same black wall of nothingness that I was destined for someday? Or would there be eternal flames for the both of us? And then further down the page, he, con he continues. Now I could see it, killing Bella. Was it the right thing to stop her pain? To give her, in her total and perfect innocence, a chance at a different destiny than the inevitable one I knew I was facing? A different kind of afterlife than the cold, bloodthirsty one she was burning toward now? So what did you think of this whole discourse? What are your thoughts? The, the, the one about him killing Bella was quite shocking. I, I knew that he would never consider that. The fact that it even was enough of a thought that he had to say it, or not say it, but verbalize it through the book, um, it was very surprising because, I mean, I was like, there's no way he's going to do that. So the fact that it was even brought up is quite shocking. 
Um, when I read this particular point, I was like, is this Edward kind of realizing that Carlisle kind of fucked up? Not fucked up, but that what Carlisle did was wrong and that maybe he has he he's allowed to feel angry or that you know his own consent was taken away from him because he brings up that Rosalie that's the way that Rosalie feels and he's thinking like like should I even be allowed to like wield that power should I take take the whatever she wants and make that decision for her I feel like it's possible he's kind of now like thinking about like oh Carlisle kind of never asked me like I'm making I'm questioning these things and that's important but that was kind of I don't think that was ever really done in my case you know yeah that's interesting I hadn't really thought about his thoughts towards Carlisle in this but I'm sure it's definitely like an undercurrent of what's going on what did you think about specifically his thoughts about his own destiny in the afterlife which is clearly either nothingness or hell as he puts it it was really sad for me because in his mind, he's just, he's evil. Like, and I mean, he's definitely done things wrong, but he's been going out of his way for quite a while now to try and rectify that and be a good person and to just label yourself as not deserving anything but damnation or nothingness. It's just, it was really sad for me. Um, I, it makes me think that maybe Edward does have some kind of, not maybe religious, but beliefs in the afterlife, because he's considering that, I mean, for someone who didn't believe that, it would just be nothingness. The fact that he's even considering that hell is an option shows that he has some kind of forethought into that kind of side of the afterlife. That was interesting. But all around, I just felt sad. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Why do you think that Edward believes that he is irredeemable? It's just, I feel like that's just a reoccurring theme for him. Just the way that he is, there's nothing good about him. He's a monster. He's not living. He's cold. He's inhuman. It's been the, the theme through this whole book that he doesn't think that he deserves the love that he's getting from Bella, that he's just not a good person and she's just dark, like darkness is inside of him. So, I mean, it wasn't surprising to me. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Cause this is kind of a new, he has not really considered this at all up until this point. Yeah. Even if he hasn't considered it, the points that he's making do not surprise me for how he's acted throughout the entire book. Like, of course, someone who hates themselves and thinks that they're not worthy of anything would think that they would automatically go to hell. Like, that they that they would automatically be damned because, well, I'm a monster, so that's what I deserve. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So Carlisle offers Edward an alternative, which is to suck the venom out of Bella's hand like you would a rattlesnake's bite. Um, and Edward is obviously very on the fence about it. He's like, I, he even says, but I'm a vampire. <laughs> I don't know. That moment was just funny to me. It was just very like vulnerable. Um, and, you know, he, he is basically thinking like, there's no way like I can do this. And then, 
you know, Bella is kind of crying out and he basically is like, you have to do it. Like you have no choice. So then he starts to suck the the blood out of her hand. And of course he like loses his mind at how, like it just causes total relief in his body. Were you like, what did you think about this part? I wasn't sure if he was going to drink the blood or just like kind of suck it and then spit it out. I was, I was unsure if he was going to go like what he was going to do in that sense, because I mean, that was an option. I don't think that he would have had very much control over his body doing that. Um, especially given that it was Bella. Um, but I mean, I'm not surprised that it was described as like pure bliss, like his, the fire that he's always been talking about burning in him is finally being quenched, you know? Yeah. 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 He begins to kind of lose himself in that. And he's convinced, you know, later on, he's convinced that he's not going to be able to stop. But at this point, he just is like, I know there's something I'm supposed to be thinking about, but I can't think about it right now. But Bella kind of brings him back from that by, you know, her screaming and her, you know, just her making noise and like making her presence known kind of grounds him. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so Alice is obviously right there and, and she's showing Edward, you know, her visions of the future. And she's like, you will have the power to stop. And so she shows Edward, what he says are a thousand different scenes with Bella, healthy and whole, alive and happy and with me. And so that also kind of helps ground him and remind him what he's supposed to be doing. And then Finally, um, Alice tells him mentally that it's time for him to stop. And, you know, Bella's not making noise anymore because the pain is being removed from her body. So she's starting to go unconscious and and he's struggling to remember that he's supposed to stop. And then right at that moment, Bella says, stay, Edward, stay with me. And that basically just makes him stop, which is very romantic and corny. It's romantic and corny, and of course he was like, I was able to fully stop. I stood up as if I had full control of everything. Yeah, I I could do whatever I want because Bella, my rock. There's a big, huge TikTok trend right now where it's like men standing in front of like a mirror or like a window or something, and they're just like really emotional, like, so much is going on. I can't handle it. And then they go to punch, but then the it cuts and then a a girl is in front of him holding the punch and then she like brings him in for a hug like, "But I'm grounded by the love of my life. She's got my back for everything." So people have been making fun of those like I saw one where it was a girl dressed up as the boyfriend and the boyfriend wearing a dress and he's enormous wearing this dress, catching the fist, like stopping her from punching. It's very funny and it makes me think of that. That is funny. I haven't seen any of those. It reminds me of that um, Facebook shirt that you like had made up about the tornado or whatever though. Um, friend of the pod, Hannah, actually like made a mock-up of that shirt and I totally fucking forgot to post it. But... It- it's incredible. It's so funny. I opened that, uh, you sent it to me while I was at work, and I, like, I had to show my coworkers. I was like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, so we'll have to post it. So um, we're recording this a week before this will come out, so we'll post it sometime. You should you should post it as a third image in the Instagram post. What would the second one be? Oh, a second one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll post it. I'll post it. 
It's just a selfie of Paige. <laughs> it's funny. Um, okay, so meanwhile, while Edward has been doing that, I don't know, it does feel kind of hokey to me that I'm like, Carlisle could have done that. He's right there. If he, I feel like of anyone, Carlisle would have been the better option because he has medical knowledge, first of all. He is way more experienced with being around blood and holding himself back. And he doesn't have the like crazy hot dog flavor that Bella's blood has with Edward. So it, it really just makes no sense that Carlisle didn't do it. I mean, it makes sense like for the plot or whatever, but it, it doesn't make sense to me, Stephanie. Yeah, he tries to say like, I'm going to have to stop this bleeding in her head if you're going to be taking blood from her arm. And I'm like, once again, did Edward Cullen not go to medical school? Oh my God, he did. You are very correct. Like, and this is his love of his eternal life. Like, he can figure out how to stitch her up. I'm quite shocked right now. (laughs) I'm just saying. But anyways, while Edward has been doing this... Uh, Carlisle has been working fast to tape her up, and he puts some morphine into her system. And I just want to point out this one line on 582. It's, like, so such a throwaway line, but I love it. Because Carlisle kind of wakes Bella up to ask him, ask Bella where her mother is. And, you know, that's when she's like, oh, he tricked us. Like, she was never here. Anyways, the line is, Bella, Carlisle asked again, what? Her tone was testy now. She looked half asleep and impatient to find the other half. And I'm like, that is so me. <laughs> Always impatient to find the other half of my half asleepness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is the part where Bella tries to tell Alice that James had known her in her human life. And so Alice, I'm sure because she saw a vision of some kind, realizes that it um, he had been recording, so she grow, She runs over and grabs the recorder and turns it off. And then she's like, I'm not going to deal with this right now. So she doesn't think about it. So then Edward can't think about it either. And then meanwhile, Emmett and Jasper are getting ready to burn the motherfucking place to the ground. <laughs> and um, so they all get ready to like go in the car. So that's the end of that first chapter. Did you have anything that I didn't mention? Okay, two things. One, this entire chapter I feel like could be a Rihanna music video why there's like intense battle they're gonna burn this motherfucker to the ground I don't know it just seems like it could be you know I like that I like that energy Mm -hmm. and then two this this will help us um go into the next chapter but the this whole conversation doesn't really seem Given the scope of what's going on right now, I'm like, we're using a lot of time and words. Bella just lost, like, over half of her blood. She needs to go to the emergency room right now. Why are we talking about this when there is a there is a very critical emergency happening? Like, yeah, you got the poison out, but she's still a human and she needs blood to be alive. And she has injuries and you drank a bunch of her blood and there was already blood everywhere to begin with. So, like, this girl needs to go to the hospital. Can we have this conversation at another time? Which conversation are you referring to when she's like, I love you or he says I love you or whatever? 
Yes, this whole page 582 and 583, like there are some important things in here, but I just feel like it goes on for a really long time. Like once the poison was out, why didn't they just immediately hurry, get her in the car, have some of them go to the hospital and the other few stay back and deal with everything? Like it just, it really rubbed me the wrong way that they were taking so long. However, Literally the first line of the next chapter reads, do we have time to, Alice began. No, Carlisle interrupted. Bella needs blood immediately. I'm like, thank you. Someone has some common sense going on right now. That's so funny because I'm picturing you reading it and flipping the page because you actually had to flip the page to get to that and you being like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because I was going to make a note of it, but then I flipped the page and I was like, no, I'll be reminded. That's so funny. You know, I hadn't even thought about it. <laughs> I also, like, I, I was thinking about this, and I'm sure it was on purpose, but in the beginning, there was this whole emphasis on Bella not being able to handle blood and, like, getting nauseous from it. And then the whole vampire thing where it's like, maybe I want to be a vampire. We'll see. But now just her blood is everywhere. Like, man, if Bella was awake... She would be un she would be unconscious right now. This is a lot of blood. Yeah, grossed out by her own blood. That'd be crazy. Yeah. Poor girl. Yeah. Also, I did get some feedback from the audience on how you talked about um, Bella being creamed, quote unquote, in the last episode, and that was just an interesting word choice. That's all I'm saying. I uh, I agree. I agree. <laughs> Okay, we won't linger on it. I just thought of it, and I had to bring it up. Um, okay, so they get into the car, and this is the part where Emmett's like, motherfucking Jasper, I'm going to motherfucking fuck, crush him and fight him in the backyard tomorrow when we get home, or whatever. <laughs> He's so pissed. And um, they are driving to the hospital, obviously. So as Paige had said earlier, Basically, this entire chapter is Alice, like, picturing through, he calls it rewinding, because it really is, like, tape, like, it feels like tape of her just, like, picturing every little detail of the next, you know, steps that they have to take the chores, to use the name of the chapter. Um, but before she kind of goes into it, she tells Edward that he is going to wake up, because, or that Bella is going to wake up, because he's kind of stressed, because she's, like, so pale, but... um she shows Edward a picture of Bella sitting up and he's like, well, how, when is that going to be? And she's like a day or two. Okay. Three tops. It's fine. Relax. And okay. So yes, this is when she starts going into the visions. And it's funny because there is a, sh a short interjection of Emmett being like, it never gets less annoying. <laughs> Always so annoyed. I, yeah, I, I read that and I was like, it could be, about the fact that he's annoyed because of Jasper and that, but it very, to me, it seems very obvious that it's about the fact that they're just having a whole ass conversation in the head and Emmett is not a part of it. Yeah, because Edward keeps making like little noises where he's like, mm, or he said, he like responds to something or he, like, and Alice is obviously not talking and it would be so annoying to be sitting in there with that. I'm, I'm Emmett all the way here. <laughs> Um, also, I just want to point out at the beginning of, at the top of page 586, 
he Edward just offhandedly mentions that it was a 27 car pile up that they caused. 27. Two and then a seven. 27. So anyways. <laughs> Paige and I literally just stared at each other for a minute, not saying anything. It's it's just the disappointment. It's just the no matter how angry I am about it, it still happened. I have no control over it. The Collins don't care that I'm angry. You know, that's a good point. So I'm just going to shake my head and give you a look. I'm just kind of like, okay, I'm not saying that they shouldn't have saved Bella. I'm not saying that. But I'm like, was injuring that many people, leaving a woman literally on a median, unconscious, like a bunch of property damage, burning down someone's livelihood. Not that I'm saying was it worth it, but I'm like, are they just like, does it even occur to them at all? I just feel like there were other options. Like at this point, could they not have gotten out and ran just a little bit to a new location? Not a new location, but just ran past the whatever they were trying to avoid the roadblock or something like that. Um, just a little farther. They could have just abandoned the car and just ran, gotten somewhere, hopped in a car, and then gone there. I mean, it seems like perfect timing, given what happens in the previous chapter, but I don't know. It's just, it's hard for me to justify injuring or potentially injuring so many people in order to save one person. Yeah, I can't help but wonder, like, what a chapter, what this chapter from Carlisle's point of view would be. Because I'm like, how are you justifying this? I I feel like this is him regretting, encouraging this relationship. He was like, I made the wrong choice. Yeah, forever, quote unquote, having kids at all, or like creating new vampires at all. I mean, I get why they supposedly can't run because then people would see them and they would think it was aliens and the Volturi would come. But I'm like, once again, it comes back to Edward being like, the the tracker's going to Phoenix? Bella's in Phoenix. I got to get on a plane. I'm like, what? You literally said you could swim across the Atlantic. Like, just run there. I just, that part doesn't make no fucking sense. For how much effort is put into writing about how invincible these vampires are how inhumanly strong and powerful they are why weren't why weren't those things applicable here why weren't those things applicable when he was getting there i don't understand let us know stephanie yes stephanie myers (laughs) okay so I guess I'll just kind of like, this is kind of weird to go through because it's just like all Alice's vision, but I'll, I'll just kind of do my best here. Bear with me. So um, she realizes that they're going to have to drop Carlisle and Bella and Edward off in the shade. And like, it's going to look kind of weird. Is this a part? Oh yeah. It's going to look kind of weird. Cause like they have this severely ill patient and they're like parking, <laughs> which I'm like, not enough time is spent on that, but okay, whatever. Um, but the whole thing is she's like, she has to create the evidence and it's supposed to have happened before they arrived at the hospital. So the timeline is really quick. So while they are taking 
Bella into the hospital, she realizes that she's going to have to go in and steal some blood. Um, So she, like, kind of changes her clothes to look more inconspicuous. I mean, because she has blood all over her shoes. She puts on Emmett's giant hoodie. She puts on Jasper's fancy watch. And then... um, (laughs) There's this funny part on page 587 where... um, Carlisle is asking what Bella's blood type is, and, oh, no, 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 Alice asks Carlisle that, and he knows because of the accident with the van, and so she's like, okay, I'm gonna get that exact same type, like, anyone's gonna, like, type the carpet at this hotel or whatever, I mean, I guess you never know, but it's just funny to me. Also, I feel like this, maybe, I mean, this is just an idea in my head, but I feel like Edward could have said that I feel like different blood types probably taste different huh that's interesting I want to look that up like O positive is wild cherry um A positive is kiwi strawberry strawberry kiwi um A B negative is um blue (laughs) I hate you so much Why do they name things blue, though? Like, blue raspberry? I'm like, that doesn't exist. No, blue raspberries are real. Look it up. What? Oh, my God. I'm having a moment right now. Well, I feel stupid. I learned about it on Tumblr. It might not be real. I just always thought that they were real after what I read. Okay, I'm going to look it up right now, live on the pod. Blue raspberry's real fruit. Somebody has searched this before. Oh, yeah, it grows from Alaska south as far as California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Chihuahua. Paige is sipping her tea. Um, apparently, it can also be called white bark raspberry, black cap raspberry, or blue raspberry. I think the flavor probably isn't the blue raspberry that we know and love. That flavor is just chemicals, I feel like. It is artificial like I can fully picture what blue tastes like and I, it does not grow in nature <laughs> I was gonna say I think the the quote-unquote blue raspberry flavoring is actually just sugar yeah it's sugar and whatever is used to make things like sour citric acid I think mm-hmm. yeah I can see that okay how do we get on the subject oh different types tasting differently yeah god okay so Alice sees herself going into this hotel that she's picked and then she realizes that she doesn't have a bag. So the vision rewinds and at the hospital, she takes a detour that only quote only adds two seconds to her trip. But I feel so bad for this woman. Why are we not talking about this woman? This woman is in the hospital asleep and her fucking duffel bag gets stolen. What the fuck? I'm picturing the reason that you're in a hospital with a duffel bag is you or a loved one is having a long procedure. Maybe maybe your daughter is having a baby. Maybe your husband is going in for a very invasive surgery. And some, some gal wearing a sweatshirt and a watch just snatches it away for blood. That's not even why she grabs it, because she puts the blood in the hoodie pockets. That's why she takes the hoodie. She just wants a bag so it looks like she's checking into a hotel. Some girl just snatches it just for the look of it. So stupid. Okay. 
kind of scares me when my AC comes on because it's like, <laughs> um, okay. So then in the vision, Alice plants the idea in the woman's head that her clock at the front desk is fast so that their timeline could be more believable because she has Jasper's watch on, which is like, it sounds fancy. I don't speak watch, but he, it's like a brew gay bespoke brew gay. What the fuck does bespoke mean? You could have just said Rolex. No, apparently you couldn't have, because that wouldn't have done it. Because, like, that, I've never heard of that before. I know that Rolexes are nice watches. So if you said that, I would have been like, yep, I know that's confirmed. This, I have no idea what that is. It sounds like you made it up. Literally, what does bespoke mean? I don't know. I gotta look it up. It's gonna bother me. made for our particular customer or user so it's like cut it's like tailored i guess but it's a watch like you know you can just buy a watch from target for like 10 bucks well why would you do that when you can exercise your white privilege and buy a bespoke baguette baguette (laughs) (sighs) anyway um so originally the woman at the front desk of the hotel puts them on the first floor and Alice is like, wait, that won't, that won't work. And so then she rewinds and she puts them on the second floor. And so ba- I almost just called her Ballas. Why am I always doing this shit? Um, okay. So Alice goes in and like puts their bags in the rooms that they got and, or just the one bag, I guess. And then she goes to the stairwell and, um, she calls Emmett and Jasper, who are still in the car that they stole out in the parking lot. And he's like, she's like, okay, honk the horn for three seconds. And while they're doing that, she leaps through the window, which is so <laughs> funny to me. It's so funny. And then she's like squirting the blood all over. I don't know. It's hilarious in my mind. It is hilarious, but this was really hard for me to believe that it worked. Why? One, if I heard, I, I'm shocked that no one in this hotel heard that sound, but even if, even if the horn drowned it out, mm-hmm. I would still be interested in someone in the parking lot beeping their horn really loud for a long time. I would still go out of my way to look and see what was going on. Like, there, I feel like anything they did would cause a stir with the people there. It's really hard for me to imagine that no one saw this happen. And also, I just, like, I don't know how she made the blood seem realistic. Like, I feel like police, I mean, it, it's revealed later that they don't even, they that the hotel people clean it up. So I guess that kind of makes sense. But like, if the police had come, I feel like they they might notice that things don't really seem like it is the way that it is. Yeah, that's true. But then Alice can anticipate every doubt that they're gonna have and like do something about it, right? That's true, but they only have so much time in the car driving to the hospital. That's true. I guess she probably sees that the police aren't gonna come. Yeah. The horn thing is weird, you're right, but maybe there's, like, no one else at this hotel. You ever been at those hotels where you're like, am I the only person staying here? Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. There's a lot of plot holes, but I'm like, how could this be plausible? 
just because I love it and I think it's fucking hilarious. Oh yeah, I love the idea of Alice just cannonballing through a glass window. <laughs> also, I'm just picturing Bella doing that, like if the story was true and I'm like, how would that even be possible? Well, she's just she doesn't know how to walk. I it does seem possible given Bella's track record. But I feel like there, I, this is coming out of no evidence, but I feel like there's a jumping element involved. And I'm like, why would Bella jump down the stairs? That's so uncharacteristic of her. She's just trying something new. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Um, I accidentally skipped over it, but on page 588, um, at the part where Alice asks Jasper for his watch, seemingly out of nowhere, because the only two people witnessing this whole vision are her and Edward. And it's funny because Edward says, as the narrator, he held out his arm and she took the fucking bespoke baguette. He didn't bother to wonder why. He was too used to this. I just think it's funny that that Jasper's like, sure. (laughs) Same old shit as always. Yes, I feel like this is how my boyfriend is when I'm drinking. Because I'm like, take a left turn at the next right. And he's like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, you know, when you've been in long relationships like that, it's just like, you know, there are things that aren't worth arguing about. And it's like, this is one of those things. (laughs) Um, Also... Speaking of, he's mad that I haven't said friend of the pod Jacob on here yet. So there you go. Are you happy now? Uh, friend of the pod or boyfriend of the pod? That's what I said. I was like, he said he couldn't wait till the day he heard friend of the pod. But I'm like, you're what? on a whole new level, bud. Does he want you to break up with him? <laughs> Let me know, babe. <laughs> when you hear this in three months, because he's like on episode 14 right now. <laughs> Okay, other boyfriend of the pod, Danny, doesn't like podcasts, so I don't think he's ever listened to an episode. (laughs) Not even the one that he was on. (laughs) I'm dead. That means we could say whatever we wanted to about him. No, wait, his sister is a listener, isn't she? (laughs) I don't don't know how active of a listener she is, but she would love it. She would love to hear us roast him. (laughs) Okay, well, I don't know him well enough to roast him, but I'll... Next time I'm, I'm hanging out with him, I will collect some roasts. I'll put them in my notes app in my phone. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Anyways, so then Alice gets back into the car, and then she starts picturing the car situation and what she's going to do about that. So she rents a car that is similar to the van from the airport, and because she's like, in case any witnesses see, but there aren't really any witnesses. And then... um, She goes to this car wash, and there's, like, a young guy working, and she kind of flirts with him, basically, and says that her niece threw up a bunch of tomato juice in the back seat, and so he cleans it up, and nobody breathes, or the guy who actually, so he's just, like, the cashier, the guy who actually cleans it up um, doesn't, like, breathe only through his mouth because he thinks it's vomit, and so he's like, I don't want to smell that, which, same. I gotta say, this was another unbelievable part to me. There was a lot of this yeah. this particular area that was unbelievable. The fact that he was gonna hold his breath because of the smell of vomit, you did not need to specify that it was tomato juice. What toddler do you know consumes tomato juice? Who do you know that owns tomato juice? 
Yeah, that's a good point. I just feel like even if it was normal for toddlers to drink tomato juice, still you would see this in the backseat and you'd be like, that's blood. Yeah, and the fact that you went out of your way to add those specifics to your story makes me think that your story is suspicious. Yeah. But, I mean, he is young and Alice is hot, so... I guess I could suspend my disbelief there or suspend my belief. Um, But like, I feel like if this was an adult, I feel like I would be extremely suspicious. Yeah. But aren't, am I misinterpreting or aren't the, the cashier, whatever she calls him, the boy at the window, the boy at the counter and the technician are two different people. So it's an adult cleaning the car. I'm assuming. Huh. Interesting. Okay, well, I mean, either way, it just doesn't make sense to me. I agree. The only thing I can think is maybe, like, you know how um, people who have been, like, hotel maids or, like, similar occupations will say, like, that ain't my business. Like, I've seen it all. I don't care. Maybe it was that kind of thing. Yeah. I would hope that people in that line of work, if they see a lot of blood somewhere, may report it. Because, like, if it's not known, like, oh so-and-so in this room, like, cut themselves, and there's gonna be blood here, like, if there's a lot of blood in a location, like, wouldn't you be worried? Yeah. But, again, he still, quote-unquote, thinks it's tomato juice, apparently. Okay, well, Stephanie Meyer, I want to know how many people, and specifically toddlers in your life, are drinking tomato juice, because I think you all need help. (laughs) Truly, that stuff is disgusting. Sorry if you like it, but it's gross. Um, okay. So then while Alice is waiting for the car to be cleaned, she calls the hotel as herself, the person who checked in, and is like, my friend fell through the window or whatever. And she's like freaking out. Um, And then I just feel so bad for these hotel people. They call their management because I'm sure it's like a, a cheap chain or whatever. And then the management tells the front desk lady, they're like, clean it up so that it's safe quote-unquote, but they just want to get rid of the evidence. And they never call the police, and they're like, okay, well, at least when, like, we get sued, the evidence won't be here to, like, um, be examined. And then they literally, it says, more than a year waiting in dread. Isn't that horrible? I just feel bad about that. Yeah, it's really sad, especially, like, in uh, this line of work. I feel like people... I I just... I don't know what it is about hotels, but I just feel like people look down on people who work at hotels. I agree with you. And it's stupid because it's like, you got to stay somewhere. And these rooms are like, even at, even at like uh, what you would call, I guess, a budget hotel, quote unquote, those rooms are like nice. The bed is made up nice, like whatever. Like, do you think a robot's doing that? Somebody has to do it, like, and they are making it look nice for you. Probably making the bed better than you could make it at home. Mm-hmm. I, every once in a while, you'll go, like, this was always the case for me when I was a kid, because I was a stuffed animal kid. Like, every once in a while, you'd go to a hotel, and, like, the hotel people would put, like, the the people who would clean your room, they would put the stuffed animals on your bed, like, in a really cute way. Like, I just feel like those people are not, only dealing with the worst of it but also sometimes will like go out of their way to make you smile and I love that 
I agree. I mean, to be fair, the people who would be dealing with this are like the management. So probably not the same people who are like cleaning rooms, but you never know. But still. I don't know. I don't know if I, if I agree with that. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm talking from the point of view of a restaurant, Mm. but many, many months ago, we had two men come into Chipotle One of them asked to use the phone. We said, is it for an emergency? He was like, no. And we're like, okay, well, we can't give you the phone then. That's kind of our policy. He then, in anger, grabbed a Tabasco bottle and smashed it over the head of the other person who he came with and then stormed out of the building. Um, That person started bleeding profusely, obviously, all over one of the bar stools. He was, we had to call 911, obviously. The police showed up. They took him to the hospital. But that area was covered in blood, and literally just one of us had to clean it up. Like, no one special. We had to clean that up. Yeah. Jeez, that is messed up. Yeah, I guess I, yeah. It's definitely possible that it was the exact same people that were doing that. Um, Also, I can't believe you never told me that story. That's fucking insane. What the fuck? Yeah, it was crazy. Like, we thought that they were friends, but, like, why would you do that to a friend? And the guy who got hit wasn't, like, saying what was going on or anything? I think that they were in an argument, and the guy wanted to call someone because of the argument. I don't know why you would... I, I guess it was they only came in specifically to use the phone, Um I don't really know the details of it because it was very chaotic after that. Um, but yeah, it was really intense. We had to just remove that bar stool because it, like we couldn't clean it well enough. What's wrong with people? Also, I don't know if any of you guys heard just now, but Mila was having a little me out chorus. So if you hear that in the playback, sorry about that. <sighs> so once this bullshit happens with Alice making people's lives miserable for over a year for no reason... I get, I mean, for a reason, but still, I don't think it's justified. Um, she gets the car back and then, um, she puts it in a mall on like the third floor of the parking garage in a mall. And, um, Edward says it'll be four days before security even notices it. And then they go into the mall and Alice buys all this clothing and I love that it says Jasper acts as a Sherpa, Sherpa for her. <laughs> like, once again, Jasper just, it's funny because he's like this savage, like, very powerful person. And he's just like giving his wife his watch, carrying her bags. I don't know. It's just funny. Also, I don't know why they went to the mall. Like, clothes at the mall are so expensive. Once again, because they can. I'm also really mad because she buys all these new clothes and it actually doesn't end up working this way. But she's like, Emmett can just leave them in Puget Sound or whatever the fuck. I'm like, new clothes. And doesn't she say like six large bags of clothes? So it's a lot. Got money to spend, honey. Then why not? I guess. You got money to literally throw into the ocean, apparently. Tainted money. I don't know if you just heard me say taint. I was going to say tainted, but then I wanted you to finish your thing. So if if any of you just heard me say taint, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's the awkward of recording a podcast on Skype. So then after that part of the vision, Jasper and Alice drop Emmett off at the airport so that he can fly home. Um, and the whole reason for this is that Rosalie will not, she foresees that Rosalie will not help them by herself. Like she'll only 
she would do it maybe if Emmett was going to be there, but like she would not drive Bella's truck down it. And Bella's truck has to be there because her family thinks that she drove to Phoenix by herself. So um, she calls Rosalie and she's like, um, can you please like rent a tow truck? Because the truck is too slow. Um, and then bring the, the truck down. But, you know, she was originally going to ask Rosalie to just drive the tow truck down, but she already foresees that Rosalie would say no. So she's like, just meet Emmett in Seattle. He'll drive it. Which is kind of immature of Rosalie, I just want to say. Yeah, it's like literally this entire plan, like it, every piece is very important. And if like one piece falls through, then the whole thing falls through. Like everyone is making sacrifices and doing this like, I don't know. I, I feel for Rosalie through this whole thing. Like, I really do. But it's also really hard for me to watch all of them work so hard to get something done and have her just not want to do anything. Yeah, I agree. Because I'm like, if you want to be reunited with Emmett so bad, if you're so worried about him, which I believe that she is, it's like, then you could go with him or you could, like, there's just other ways to do this than just being a total brat. Yeah, and also, this plan doesn't involve you being in contact with Bella at all. Yeah. Like, the only person you're going to be in contact with is Emmett. So you're doing it just because it is going to positively impact Bella. Yeah. Or you're not going to do it because of that. Right, right. Um, so... Alice doesn't really give her, like, any details on it because she knows Rosalie's not on Bella's side, basically. Um, but she tells Esme and Rosalie, or she ba she basically tells Rosalie to tell Esme to stay near Charlie because, you know, the redhead is still out there, Victoria. Um, and then Rosalie's like, is she coming for Charlie? And Alice says, no, I don't see that, but better safe, right? And then she hangs up with her. And then she's like, oh, good, Emmett won't have to throw his clothes into the ocean. Infuriating. Then there's this moment with Emmett where um, Edward's basically just reading his mind, and I just want to read it because it's a very sweet and wholesome paragraph. Emmett was pleased with the call, happy to know he would be with Rose in just hours, and she would get his side of the story. No reason at all to mention the ridiculous thing with Jasper. If Alice didn't see any problems with the redhead, then Rose could make the ride back to Phoenix with him. Or maybe she wouldn't want to. He looked down at Bella's wan face, her fractured leg. A deep swell of paternal affection and concern washed over him. This is like in, in his thoughts, his actual words. She's such a good kid. Rose is going to have to get over this, he thought to himself. Pronto. She's so sweet. Yeah, it really shows that he he's not doing this for Edward. He really does like Bella like he he enjoys her he doesn't just enjoy that she makes Edward happy yeah totally oh my gosh I have to ask did you consider any of these I'm I'm sure you didn't because I didn't but I have to ask like did you consider any of this when we read Twilight like did it ever occur to you like oh shit yeah her truck's in forks you know what I mean like did you think about any of these small details or like how would they believe the blood or whatever you know like that kind of thing I did question how they, how she was just in the hospital and her mom was there and everyone was fine with the story. It was, it was hard for me to believe that everything fell into place for them so easily. 
And I still think the same way, even after reading what happened, I still think it's extremely lucky that everything worked out in their favor. But I mean, like, I didn't think about the truck at all. I, I didn't think about like any of those details where all of the members of the family were going to be specifically and like why they were there. It, I, it is a lot of background work and there's a reason why this chapter is called chores. There is a lot of having to make things to, to set everything up to make sure everything goes smoothly. Yeah. At work, we call that CYA, which stands for cover your ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know I didn't think about it at all. So it was super interesting. I mean, even having read this book, how many times, or Twilight, I should say, how many times. And I was like, well, I guess I never thought about how her truck literally wasn't in the state. <laughs> I, I, I was wondering when we were getting into this chapter, I thought that maybe they were going to set it up so that Bella had rented a hotel room and it that was where she had her accident. So I was really confused as to how they were going to set that up. But they're like, oh, she was just visiting. It was like, that made a lot of sense. But then... If I were Bella's mom or someone, I'd be like, who were you visiting? Why were you visiting with them? And then it was like, oh, it was a Cullen. Oh, I guess, did she give a fake name at the hotel? No, I think she used her real name, but they told Bella's mom that, like, Bella had driven down because she was upset at Edward. And then Edward wanted to chase after her, but Carlisle was like, no, you're not going alone. I'll go with you. And then Alice was like, I'll come too. So they rented a hotel room. And then... Edward convinced Bella to come out and talk to him. And that's when she had her accident. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Well, if that's all the case, what I, I still don't understand, we're probably going to get more information on that in the coming up chapters. How, as parents, you would then allow your child to spend time with these people? Agreed, but to the best of their knowledge, she hadn't even seen them yet when she fell down the stairs. Like, I, do they even say, like, if she was with him? when she fell down the stairs or I don't know if they even specify. I guess we'll find out in the next couple chapters, but I guess what I'm saying is there is the possibility that she just fell like on her way up to the room or whatever. Yeah. And the thing is, is that's believable. Like even her dad like goes out of his way to mention like, Oh, you're what you're playing baseball. Really? It's going to be you. Like they know that Bella is not very coordinated. Just crazy to me. Like, just falling down the stairs could kill you. Like, that's so insane to consider. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anything else from this chapter. Um, you know, Alice is like, did I catch everything? And she's like, everything's fine. Everything was fine or it would be. And Edward says, well done, Alice. And then the last sentence of the chapter is Edward as narrator. I adjusted my grip on Bella. I adjusted my grip on Bill and prepared to go through it all again for the first time. Did you have anything we didn't cover? Yeah. And I mean, I talked about this in the beginning, but like that line again, took me out of the fact that none of this was happening in real life. It was just a vision, like just the way that it's literally written in present tense. It, the whole time my brain was like, Oh, it's happening right now. But then she rewinds it and it's like, no, it's not. But then she would go for a really long time and it'd be like, Oh yeah. Like this is happening right now. No, it isn't Paige. You're dumb. You're not dumb. It's like, I think it's meant to be kind of like jarring and like whiplash. Yeah, you're right. I'm not that dumb. 
So for next week, we are again doing two chapters. The first one is called Three Conversations. The second one is called Inevitability. What do you got? What do you, what do you think? So I think Three Conversations, it's going to be in the hospital. Because we have in Twilight, this is where Bella wakes up and she talks with Edward and her mom and all of that. So... I think that the three conversations Edward is going to talk to Bella, obviously. Um, I, I bet Edward will talk with Renee. I, I have a, I have a suspicion that he's going to talk to her. And I know earlier that I predicted that Renee did not have the, um, the kind of the thing that's going on with Charlie uh, with his supernatural abilities, but the more I thought about it, the more I changed my opinion that I thought maybe they're both like that and the combination of them created Bella. Um, so I think that might be a thing. I don't know who the last conversation will be with though. Maybe one of the family members, maybe like Carlisle or Alice or something like that, but I'm not quite sure. Um, but it's going to be obviously three important conversations. Um, what was the other one? Inevitability. Hmm. This was not in Twilight, so. I'm trying to think of what is inevitable to Edward. Maybe just kind of the him having to deal with now everything that has happened. Like, it's inevitable that things have to sort of return back to normal and then you have to kind of deal with things after things happen so maybe this is going to be like them returning back to their normal life in forks returning back to their relationship um I don't really know it's kind of vague honestly like and there's in Twilight I think the the hospital chapter is the last chapter before the epilogue yes where they go to the dance. So there could easily be bits here that are after the hospital that we just don't even know about yet. Yeah. Yeah, true. I'll be honest, I don't remember who the three conversations are with. I think I remember one or two of them, but I'm like, I don't know what that third one is. We'll see. We'll see. All right, well, I guess that's it. Do you want to hit him with the socials page? Okay, for socials, most important. Wait, isn't that like a thing from like the Outsiders or something? What? The Soches? Did you ever read the Outsiders? I think we read it in Mrs. Isaac's class. In isn't there like two games and one of them is called the Soches? Maybe. This is bothering me. I'm gonna look it up. It is the Outsiders. Wow, that was like a recovered memory that I just had. Okay, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. <laughs> tuck everlasting sort of thing yeah okay for socias please reach out to us on instagram and tumblr at tuesdays are for twilight at twitter you can reach us at taft pod we love the memes on twitter so keep sending memes we love it um you can email us at tuesdays are for twilight at gmail.com also feel free to email us we've been enjoying all of the emails 
Um, and then our Patreon is Tuesdays are, or sorry, patreon.com slash Tuesdays are for Twilight. And also please do not hesitate to give to the Move to Higher Ground movement, which can be found at www.mthg.org. Amen. And also fund my Kickstarter for the $400 I'm going to have to pay for our editing software for this podcast because I use it on my work computer that I now have to turn in because I got a new job. I'm kidding. I don't have a Kickstarter. I'd much rather you donate it to the Quilutes, but also RIP to my credit card. I think that we should just start releasing unedited um, episodes. You guys don't even know how messy that would be. Like, it would be fine, but it would be messy. And I'm just not about messy. You know this about me. Emily's one clean motherfucker, okay? <laughs> it's called OCD. <laughs> just kidding. Actually, I was serious. <laughs> it's called being a type 1 Enneagram, okay? I'm a type 3, and I have OCD. It's a bad combo. I don't know why I even thought that I would speak on uh, that. <laughs> Friend of the pod, Remy, is a 1, so that's probably what you're thinking I, of. I knew that you were both surrounding me. I thought that you were 1 and Remy was 3. Yep, just got them flipped. Um, also, take the Enneagram, the free one. Don't pay the system. But the free one, if you are interested in what we're talking about. This reminds me, I redid my Zodiac uh, birth chart thing because I remembered when I did it the first time, my mom, I asked my mom what time I was born. And she was like, I remember it being this time, but I can't remember if I'm remembering Germany time or or if I'm remembering it, what the American conversion of it was. Mm. I know like, like back in the day, you know, when I would celebrate my birthday, I'd be like, Oh, what time should I celebrate it? Because I was born in a completely different time zone. So she had calculated for the American time. So her memory, she's like, I couldn't, I can't remember if that was the actual birth time or if it was this one. So the one that I've thought this whole time, I thought that I was a triple Leo. That's what I've always told people. I asked my mom, she was like, I, I'm almost positive it was at five something or other in the morning or in the afternoon. So I did it with that, which still I don't know if that's accurate. We need to look at my birth uh, uh, certificate, birth certificate. And as it turns out, if that's the case, my rising is not a Leo, it's a Virgo. Interesting. What does that, what, do you know what that means? Like, does that affect your personality in some way? When I was reading about it, the thing was really short. Um, I don't really remember, but I do like Virgos a lot, so I'll take it. Okay. All right. Astrology peeps, let us know what specifically that means for Paige. Yeah. My, my sun and my moon both being Leo is 100% accurate. I, it is shocking how accurate that is. Hmm. I did mine, but I don't know what any of it meant, so I immediately forgot what it was. Okay. If somebody wants to do my birth chart, send us a DM and I'll let you know the deets. <laughs> You're Capricorn, right? Yes. I'm going to send you a video when we're done. Okay, please do. It's so funny, too, because um, friend of the pod, Remy, and I always laugh about this, but my niece, she was supposed to be an Aquarius, but she was born a couple weeks early. 
Um, and so she ended up being a Capricorn just barely. And it's so funny because it's like Aquariuses are like free spirited, kind of like hippies and Capricorns are like, we have shit to do. <laughs> and Remy was like, she's going to be your protege. And I was like, that's right. <laughs> the fact that she even planned everything out so that she could get what she wanted to be a Capricorn and learn from you shows that she is a Capricorn. Precisely. The chicken and the egg, as it were. <laughs> Literally egg. Ah! Uh, we need to get out of here. Paige, you got anything you want to add? Please. I am begging you. I had an argument. It wasn't an argument. I, it was with one of those people where they are set with their opinion, and no matter what you say, they're not going to listen to you. So it wasn't even an argument. It was him telling me what he thought and me just going, oh, okay, about how he didn't believe in sunscreen. So I'm like, bro, you are blonde hair, blue eyes living in Colorado. You of all people should believe in sunscreen. But please remember to wear sunscreen. Protect yourself. We'll see you next week for the final two actual chapters of Midnight Sun. Peace. Bye. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. Bye.